Hey, Seth, we got a great case today. Are you ready for this? I am ready. All right, let's go through our case details. So the technology we're going to talk about in this episode, three main things. One is going to be Twitter because this is our episode title, The Twitter Hack. So that's the, the technology we're going to be talking about in this episode. We're going to be talking about social engineering. That's how the attackers are able to get access to uh, the Twitter resources for this attack. Right. So not really technology. That's the method they got to the technology. Yeah, and it's basically, social engineering just boils down to tricking a human to give you some important information to log into a computer system or do something with a computer system. Yeah, and we'll come back to social engineering because I think it's an interesting topic to deep dive into a little bit for this case. Yep. Definitely. And the third thing is going to be cryptocurrency. And that's what the criminals in this case use for um, collecting money. Which is interesting. I think many, if not all of our cases, which is episode four, have involved crypto. And obviously, you know, we research these cases and they're, so we're taking a little bit of a back in time approach. And crypto obviously has, if not crater, taken a major hit in the market. So Johan has to wonder if it's still a hot item for a, uh, a cyber criminal to seek. The crime here was unauthorized access to accounts, which we've seen uh, in a different format on, on a prior case. So, but this is a different flavor to it today. Yeah, and you're going to see a theme with this as well. The criminals are several young men working together online. Right. So not as quite as formalized maybe as a prior case, but certainly related. The victims here were several prominent Twitter profiles and Twitter themselves, actually. And obviously, in addition to that, the people who fell for the fraud. Yeah, there were people that actually lost money in this fraud that we'll go into. And the clinchers, and I apologize that this is um, a common theme, but this is kind of why I pick the cases that I do. Um, how do you defend against this? Because you're going to see, again, where the attack happens between the attackers and Twitter and the victims in this case aren't necessarily in that chain of attack and they're just victims. So with that, please sit back and enjoy episode four of eCrime Bites. Hey, Seth, we are old enough as a podcast to have updates, updates to prior episodes. So let me go through these for you. They're pretty interesting. First was some news I saw this week, and this is, uh, we are recording this uh, hopefully the night before that we're going to release this. Uh, hopefully I'll get this done and push it out in the morning. So this happened probably three, four days ago, I'd imagine. So it's really hot off the press. Twitter decided, um, the new Twitter uh, under Elon Musk has decided that it's going to turn off SMS two-factor authentication. His The reason he said was it was for security, but I also saw it was a comment or something else. He said that they were spending a heck of a lot of money because these SMS messages, when you send them per message a lot of times, when you're a service, you got to pay per message that you send out. And you can imagine people logging in and millions and millions of accounts are going to cost a lot for Twitter. So I thought that was interesting enough to bring up because we were talking earlier about earlier in another earlier episode about um, the SIM swapping attack, being able to catch these SMS two factor authentication codes that will come from these services. Well, now that Twi Twitter is, cancel this this is now this makes it more secure so attackers would have to go to greater lengths to try to get a hold of your account rather than just doing uh, a sim swapping attack now that's not to say let's say you really 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 want the insecure method you can still get it according to twitter you just have to pay for twitter blue to get that insecure method of being able to send it over sms Yeah, and another update to our last episode, The Violence as a Service with Pat the Bat. 
And I was really excited because we had a listener contact us and this listener dropped us a note to say that a lot of time, well, this listener works in cybersecurity in industry. I should preface that. And they said um, a lot of times in the just active shooting that we uh, looked at in the last episode that the shootings and so forth are targeted to threaten uh, targets, female partner. So in this case, that, boyfriend was just inactive and that could be the reason why you know i said just inactive was here it was basically threatening justin just excuse me justin active through his girlfriend does that make sense it does i'm still chuckling about that whole case <laughs> yeah 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 so yeah um i thought that was really interesting i wanted to share that nugget along because i didn't look at it from that angle but it um would make a lot of sense in the context of um, all the data that we looked at from the courts. And I thought it was, um, you know, and they're talking about female partners and uh, threatening and so forth. And, you know, I spent a lot of time on Facebook and in, in my relationship, I'm the one that gets threatened. I'm the one that gets threatened, Seth. I've had has Zuckerberg step in not once, but twice. Yeah. So threatening Andrea, I don't know. I don't know how she responds. She probably threatened you back because she threatens me all the time. You know, the first time she, she said, um, she either called me fat or said I had a fat head and Zuckerberg put her in a 24 hour timeout. And then another time she was explaining to her friend, she said, mostly because I've been trying to kill him for a long time. And Zuckerberg put her in another Facebook 24 hour timeout. And the reason why I mentioned this is I thought it was really funny because, um, she lost the ability to do her Facebook PTA duties both nights because she couldn't log into Facebook and do uh, regular stuff. So, yeah, I, I, I find it funny, A, because I know your wife very well. And uh, she'll, of course, deny ever saying those things. And she is very charming uh, Two or B, the fact that that's the hill that um, collectively Facebook will die on is not allowing that without any kind of context that's probably in jest but they'll allow a lot of other things that are extremely morally and ethically gray area at best that's the hill they're dying on i find that very interesting yeah maybe she needs to start threatening me at twitter because apparently I, you know anything goes over there but um, <laughs> freedom of speech baby anything you want to do but with facebook uh, okay so they blocked her or they you know they put this time out on her for 24 hours but they never checked on me Nobody ever sent me a message and we're like, hey, you okay? Saw your spouse is threatening you. No, nothing. So, yeah, well, they only care so much. Yep, yep. All right, so let's, uh, let's go ahead and move on to our case. And I'll go ahead and set the stage for this. So let's go back. Uh, let's see, we're almost three years ago, July 15th of 2020. And on this day, several high-profile accounts were compromised. And I'm just going to read the list for you because it's a pretty impressive list. We've got Bill Gates, Elon Musk, Kanye West, Joe Biden, Barack Obama, Jeff Bezos, Mike Bloomberg, Warren Buffett, Benjamin Netanyahu, Kim Kardashian, Binance, which is a company, and there's other companies here, um, Gemini, Coinbase, uh, I may pronounce this wrong, but like Bitfinex, Angelo P. BTC is in like Bitcoin, Apple and Uber. So these are really, really high profile cases that had, or I'm sorry, high profile okay. handles on Twitter yeah. that had issues. So on that day, Twitter comes out and has a statement and I'll read it to you. It says, quote unquote, we detected what we believe to be a coordinated social engineering attack by people who successfully targeted some of our employees with access to internal systems and tools. So what does that mean? That just means in layman's terms, someone tricked a Twitter employee to give over something like their credentials to someone who they thought was another Twitter employee, but wasn't, it was an attacker. All right, so the next day, Twitter comes out and it says, so this is July 16th, 2020. Twitter comes out and says, quote unquote, Based on what we know right now, we believe approximately 130 accounts 
were targeted by the attackers in some way as part of the incident. For a small subset of these accounts, the attackers were able to gain control of the accounts and then send tweets from those accounts. So let's pause there. That's a pretty big deal. 130, 130 high profile accounts were hacked and messages were sent out from those accounts, not by the actual owner of that account. And do we know the time frame between when those messages started going out from those hacked accounts to when that message went out from Twitter explaining that this was the case? Because I feel uh, like that time frame is pretty valuable. Same day. Okay, so, so at least July they got 15th. it within the same day. Yeah, so the first message I read came out same day of the attack, and then the one that I just read came out the next day. All right, so what do these tweets say? Basically, I mean, they say a lot, but basically they say send Bitcoin in some way, shape, or form in some fraudulent scheme. Send Bitcoin to get X amount of Bitcoin back. Usually it's like double Bitcoin back. Right. And they give a Bitcoin address, and then they also give a website in these um, tweets, Crypto4Health.com. And here, I'm going to read you just a sample of some of these compromised accounts and what they said. So here's Elon Musk on the 15th saying, I'm feeling generous because of COVID-19. I'll double any Bitcoin payment sent to my Bitcoin address for the next hour. Good luck and stay safe out there. And then it's that address that we talked about, a Bitcoin address. So let's just pause there. Why would anybody want to do that? Send me money and I'll send you money back. That's more than you sent. Like, what person thinks that that's a legitimate transaction? Well, I don't know, but we will find out that people do. There are people that do. Indeed. Yeah. Um, you know, and in some cases, okay, if you're elderly, you just got on Twitter, and you see this actually come from the verified. Back then, the blue check meant, you know, he was verified in in old twitter terms so people were like this is definitely elon yeah well maybe this it's is convincing. not new right we've seen the you know pick your country prince who has been exiled who has money but can't access that money so he needs you to send them money and that will pay you back in double when he gets access to that money elon musk has money he doesn't need you to send bitcoin so he can send you other money and if yeah. he's feeling generous why would he first need your bitcoin to send you bitcoin yeah exactly well, here's um, Uber. Uber is saying basically the same thing. Due to COVID-19, we're giving back over $10 million in Bitcoin. All payments sent to our address below will be sent back doubled. And it's the same Bitcoin address in the completely different tweet. So Elon Musk and Uber have the same Bitcoin address associated with it. And there's a little thing at the bottom that says, this is only going on for the next 30 minutes. So that's a nice sales clincher of, you better get a move on because this right. is only going to happen for a little bit. Um, let's see. Let me give you another one. Uh, Bill Gates says basically the same thing. Everyone is asking me to give back and now it is the time I'm doubling all payments sent to my Bitcoin address for the next 30 minutes. You send a thousand. I send you back 2000 Bitcoin address. It's the same one that Elon had and Uber had and, and Bitcoin itself had and Apple and Kanye. And he says, this is only going on for another 30 minutes. And then there's also another one from Apple. It says basically the same thing. We're giving back to our community. Same Bitcoin address. And Kanye, I'm giving back to my fans. All Bitcoin sent to my address below will be sent back doubled. I am only doing a maximum of $10 million. And it's same Bitcoin address as Elon and Bill Gates and the rest of them. Amazing. Yep. And again... Um, the the company accounts that were compromised as well have very similar sounding um, tweets that we just talked about with uh, the individuals. If you go to this Crypto for Health website, it's basically another kind of a scam where it says, you know, you send us 0.1 Bitcoin, you're going to get sent back 0.2 Bitcoin. You send us back 10 Bitcoin, you're going to get sent back 20 Bitcoin. And it gives a Bitcoin address. It gives you a UPC, you know, the um, the QR code that you can right. scan to go to the website and so forth. So um, 
you know, it's just a website to basically further the scam that we saw in the tweets. So, so how many people fell for this, Keith? Was it one or two? Nope. It was 416 transfers. So Next question should be. 416 people or it was some less transfers. number than that, but consolidated? So, I'd say a maximum of 416 people. Maybe some people had a couple transfers if they were like, hey, maybe the first one didn't go through. But yeah, it's probably like 400-ish people. And if you add up all the Bitcoin that was sent to that address, and you can tell because these blockchains and so forth are public, so that you can add them up and you see that um, at blockchains, uh, if you haven't listened to the other episodes, it's basically the registry of how these Bitcoin changes hands between accounts. Well, the kicker is 12.86 Bitcoin were transferred in, which in July 16, 2020 terms was about $117,000, almost $118,000 because Bitcoin was about $9,000 of Bitcoin back then. And the criminals then siphoned off 99.74% of the funds in that scam Bitcoin account to other Bitcoin addresses. And usually that happens when they try to conceal where the money's going. When people try to look at these public registries and do some sort of analysis, you do a lot of different transfers to different um, other accounts and other fund types in order to try to launder it out and make it too hard to trace. Now, important to note that no Bitcoin was returned to victims, so it was taken and, and not returned. None of this ever was ever recovered? No, was not returned to victims according to what the court documents say as of this recording. So you'll see this hasn't totally gone to trial yet, so who knows, maybe there's like restitution and a couple, you know, once they're convicted and so forth. But at this point, no, nothing's been returned. So some back of the napkin math. If it was about $117,000 across around 416 people, it's about $280 a person, which isn't a ton of money to lose, but it's a ton of money consolidated for a group of people to have stolen. Yeah, it adds up big time. Okay, so we find out there's this, and you're going to have to go with me. I'm going to tell you from, um, I'm going to let Seth Ram just basically go on this this slide. And before I do that, I got to make a whole bunch of caveats. And one is... Um, we know that there's a person who's named Kirk, K-I-R-K. And I have this is a chicken and an egg kind of problem. I can't tell you one thing without divulging the other. So they know this name because there was a search warrant served July 20th, 2020, which is a few days after the attack, at a juvenile's house that gave up information on some illicit Discord chats. So the juvenile, when they were there, admitted to communication with an individual named Kirk, and I'm going to apologize if I pronounce this incorrectly, but it's Shaywon, C-H-A-E-W-O-N. We're going to talk more about that later because this is, again, a chicken and egg problem because that happens a little later. But right now we're going to talk about who is Kirk. And we know Kirk because basically his name was divulged by somebody else that's a juvenile. Okay, so we know a search warrant to Discord, uh, which, as you know, is a chat. Uh, function their server provided the chats associated with Kirk and Kirk provided information to somebody whose handle was Rolex which I love because I'm a watch guy Um, so Kirk provided Rolex information about an internal Twitter tool that he had access to so Rolex said shortly later damn I'm in so it didn't take a lot of arm wrestling or (laughs) arm twisting rather for Rolex to be a uh, compatriot here um, Kirk provided a Bitcoin address to Rolex for payment to access to Twitter accounts. So just so we're straight here, right? So we have Kirk and he uh, brought Rolex in and he provided a Bitcoin address to Rolex to make payment um, to access a, a Twitter account. Keith, we have that right? Yep, that was perfect. Okay, but there's more. Yeah, so on July 15th, which is a little bit before the juvenile was ser- the search warrant. Now you see the whole chicken and egg problem I had here. So I have to tell you that July 15th, 
2020, Kirk says to a user, quote unquote, I work for Twitter. Yeah, I had to make the voice because, hey, we're going to have to role play in a few slides coming up and we got to get warmed up, Seth. Yeah, we'll get warmed up. I hear you. So he says, I work for Twitter and I can claim any name. Let me know if you're trying to work. He also told other users, I work for Twitter. I can claim any at for you. And the, With the at, at symbol, being yeah, like a, a handle for Twitter. Yeah. That's how Twitter, if you're not familiar with Twitter, that's how Twitter talks about the account. You put an at symbol in front of it. So then they saw that Twi Kirk communicated with this person called, quote unquote, ever so anxious, which from now on, we're just going to call anxious. And I have to apologize. There's a lot of monikers going on. We're going to try to keep them as straight as possible. And we're going to try to call them out when we tie them together. So just stay with us. Um, they just kind of change names depending on where they're at sometimes. So right. Kirk communicated with ever so anxious on July 15th too. And he provided anxious with images of a, tw a Twitter internal administrative tool that allows access to accounts. And he had access to things like at Bumblebee, at SC. And remember um, in a previous episode, we were talking about very short, Names being desirable. Well, at SC is pretty short. We have at vague and we have at R9 and a bunch of others. So Kirk is showing anxious that he has some sort of access to accounts he shouldn't have, Twitter accounts specifically that he shouldn't have. And then um, anxious then tries to be a middleman and sell this access to other people. So anxious starts saying things like, I have a buyer right now. Someone's interested. I have a buyer for 50 for 3K, you down? And then, you know, anxious went and asked for Kirk's Bitcoin address. And Kirk said, all right, here you go. Here's my Bitcoin address. So here we actually have some of the live chats or the, the raw chats. And we're going to role play a little bit. So. There's two people chatting here. I'm going to be Kirk and Seth, you're going to be anxious. The person. And I like that. You had to, you had to note that. <laughs> and uh, we're going to um, go back and forth and we're going to read it as much as we can in true form. And then I'll try to give you a, like, we'll try and give you our take or our interpretation or layman, layman terms of what they're saying. Cause some of the stuff is real out there. Um, I do want to point out before we start our role-playing session here that um, Kirk did ask Anxious, what's your OGU? And I think we talked about it in a previous episode, but if we didn't, this stands for OG users, username, which OG users is a online forum for hacking, quote-unquote, original gangsta usernames. So that's what the OG stands for, the short ones like the SCs and the KJs and the SEs and so forth. So um, when they ask, so what's your OGU? Anxious says, I'm Shawan or Shawan. All right, so here we go. Here's our chat. Here's our first chat. We're, we have a few of them, so this is going to be fun, hopefully. So Kirk starts off by saying, a Bitcoin address. <laughs> he just, yeah, he just okay. lists a how, do you, how do you role play that? It's a bunch of characters. <laughs> yeah, it looks like a big random string. It's a Bitcoin address. So now Anxious says, send your BTC Addy to. So BTC would be Bitcoin, and ADDYY is a misspelling of address. So the idea would be send your Bitcoin Addy to. So let me try that again. Send your BTC Addy to. Yeah, you got to get the like Batman voice. Send, send your. BTC Addy too. Oh, I can do a Batman voice. Okay, we'll get that on the next one. <laughs> All right, so then Kirk, he just replies the same exact message. Here's this big random string. That's his Bitcoin address. Send Addy. <laughs> so Anxious replies to send Addy. Kirk says, 5K for all three. And ever Anxious says, also, is that vampire doable? <laughs> And let's pause there. Really? At Vampire? I mean, come on. Yep. And Anxious continues. Guy wants them. 5K for, sorry, 5K for at XX, 3K at Dark. Let me know. So just so we're clear, asking $5,000 for the 
handle at XX and $3,000 for a handle at dark. Let me know if that's something you might be interested in. Yeah, and so at this point... Were, so the accounts that were compromised are at XX, at dark, and at vampire. Yeah, at, at this point in the timeline, after they had this conversation, these three accounts all of a sudden became compromised. I think you're going to need, like, I'm going to need tea and honey if I'm going to keep talking like Christian Bale's Batman. That's all right. I'll send you some up there. That's no problem. All right. So at this point, what I thought was pretty interesting is Kirk's chats, these chats that we're talking about, they show up in a New York Times article. That's kind of how this, um, some of this stuff sort of come to light before the court documents did. So I wanted to just point this out. And um, The New York Times received the screenshots of Kurt's conversation stating, I work at Twitter. Don't show this to anyone. Seriously. Well, somebody showed it to the New York Times, apparently. Right. <laughs> and then um, the New York Times identified the individual in contact with Kurt as using the Discord moniker LOL. And you're going to see this is another person later on that shows up that we try to kind of identify. This one is a little harder than the other, the others. Um, I will note that um, parts of the New York Times article later on in the court document, what they were confirmed by the FBI. So it's, you know, there were there were truths in that article that the FBI said, yeah, this, these things were true. All right. So now in the timeline, there are Twitter accounts up for sale on OG users. So that forum online where people sell um, short usernames to different services. Right. So at this point, the New York times has been continuing on their article that Shay Wan has been advertising that he or she, at this point, we don't know, uh, could change email addresses tied to any Twitter account for a simple sum of $250 and provide direct access to accounts for between $2,500 and $3,000. Yeah, and I know these names are really hard to keep a, keep track. I had to write notes. My note here is Shewan is also anxious on Discord, so he's right. the Batman-sounding guy that we were just listening to. All right, so on UOG users, wow, these things are really hard to read because they abbreviate almost everything. So OG users, there's an email, or there's basically a posting. It's not an email. It's like a public posting. And it says the following, and I'm going to go ahead and read this to you the best that I can. It says price, 250 So I'm assuming that's 250 bucks. Next line says, you heard me, $250 per email. To any twit account will sell multiple for less i.e two for 420 three for 675 bitcoin only you go first or at lol can hold funds idc which stands for i don't care and remember lol was the account that we just talked about earlier that's kind of the more difficult account to trace that's the third account and the posting goes on, it says, usernames claim done so far. And <laughs> this is kind of hard. They like put stars in a lot of them. So it looks like one of them might be anxious. One of them might be drug. One of them, three, four of them you can't even tell because they're all stars. There's one that's OB star NNA. There's one that's D star star K. So it could be dick, dork, dark, could be anything. And then it says, uh, people who have used this service, at Maxwell, at JWAD. And then it says, ever so anxious, don't message saying, hey, the twit you're interested in. So I guess what he's saying is, don't message saying, hey, say the Twitter account you're interested in. So he's basically saying, don't fuck around. That's what that right. line says. <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes on to say, this is not a method. You will be given full refund if for any reason you're aren't giving the email or at. However, if it is reverse suspended, I will not be held accountable. So what he's saying there is if you're not able to get access, once I give you access, I will give you your money back. If you screw around and you get suspended on that account, I'm not giving you your money back. Right. So let's come back to discord chats and our friend Kirk. So we know anxious purchased accounts from Kirk. 
We know Anxious brokered the purchase of additional Twitter accounts from that OG user's um, uh, ad. I guess that was like a posting that we just talked about. So there were some rare names, and these are great. Uh, at L, as in the letter L, at Bitch, lowercase b, and at W. Remember we talked about though, those really short Twitter handles are very valuable. That was um, me, by the way. I, I wanted at bitch because that just that sounded so cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Valuable. Very impressive. Twitter confirms at least 10 accounts were stolen, including at O-B-I-N-N-A and at drug. That's interesting. Uh, Anxious told Kirk that his OG user's username was Shaywan. And he posted on the OG users that, quote, uh, and again, some of this is blocked out, but that Anxious, Drug, and OB, Obina were already taken over. Yeah, so basically that's just saying all this stuff is starting to line up. The people, right. the the names are starting to tie together. What they're claiming is happening and so forth. It's just more evidence. Now, what's interesting is one of the perks of, of uh, using Bitcoin and blockchain is that everything is public and traceable, right? So there has been a blockchain analysis. And it showed, Keith, let's walk through this. So we know Kirk's Bitcoin address had deposits of around 3.69 Bitcoin, which is around $33,000. And again, we're back around mid-July, July 15th of 2020, right? We know the timing of the payments correlated with Anxious receiving stolen Twitter, stolen Twitter accounts. We know Anxious's Bitcoin wallet received about 4.48 Bitcoin, around $40,000 at that time, at the same time. And additional analysis caught several, remember I did some back of the napkin math, right? About several $250 payments, which was the price for emails Shaywan advertised on OG users. One had a note, it was like a memo field of emails, LOL. And, um, well, Keith, I'll let you, uh, <laughs> let you hit this last yeah, one. Actually, um, so, oh God. If you remember a paper check, Seth, there's the memo field and you could yep. put pretty much anything you want in there. And it was like, when I was a teenage boy, I would put things to my, like if I had to pay my friend, I put like sexual favors or something embarrassing in there. You so know, I, I never go... used it to be a dickhead. I actually used it. So if I ever <laughs> needed to figure out what the hell would I write this check for, it would have a little bit of context, but interesting to know that's where your head was at. Yeah. Well, the, there's basically the same thing with the transfers here and there's a memo field and the memo field was filled out and it actually says emails. <laughs> so yeah yeah that was a uh, pretty awesome all right moving on all right so here's our big plot twist plot twist one number one there's gonna be more coming so stay tuned plot twist on april 2nd 2020 that for which hold on, online, hold on let's back up that's earlier in time than the bitcoin analysis right that was back in july so this is a good three months prior Yes, we are. We just reversed our VCR for a second there. Yep. And we went back in time to April. And this is important because that OG users forum that we talked about was hacked by somebody. We, I don't know if we know who, but it was hacked. And when it was hacked, the user database and all the content was leaked on the internet. So seven days later, April 9th, 2020, the FBI received a copy of this database. They don't need, I don't, I don't even think they need any core paperwork. I mean, it was public information at that point. Yeah. And, you know, it has all the postings. It has messages between users. It has IP addresses, email addresses, any other user information that the user might put in there. Um, but more importantly, dates and time stamps. More importantly, it included for each user a list of the IP addresses the user used to log into the service along yeah. with a corresponding date and timestamp. And we know when you have that, you have a pretty good ability to go find who the person actually was. So now law enforcement has a new tool in their toolkit for investigative purposes when they see these people talking on OG users or other services, or even when they're saying, I'm so-and-so on OG users, they can go back to OG users and figure out more about that person because now they have all this data that's online that should was never intended to be online so who is shaywan also aka anxious so investigators link the og user shaywan account to bitcoin addresses 
And the investigators link those Bitcoin addresses back to payments in the Twitter hack. So investigators link Shaywan's IP address to an IP address for another user called MAS, as in M-A-S, and that originated in the UK. The investigators link the MAS account to the email masonhoppy at gmail.com, and there's no uh, A or O, it's just mason, M-A-S-O-N, H-P-P-Y, at gmail, and other, along with other email addresses. Now, Shaywan once posted it is Moss, I am Moss, not Bry, I am Moss, 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 at on OGUsers.com. Yeah, he, he as close as you're getting to a, um, a declaration uh, of uh, self, I guess, incrimination there. Yeah, and I almost thought that email address, when I looked at it the first time, I thought it was Mason Happy without the A. Happy, Hoppy, I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of weird. But yeah, so they have an email address. And you see now we're talking about IP addresses where, you know, once we talk about the OG users, we have email addresses. And if you learn anything from our um, previous episodes, once you get these little data points investigatively, you can start connecting things and getting more data points. And now you start picking out who people are. And in, the, in this case, you have a person saying, I am us, I am us. So we really, I think we'll know who he is. So now that we have an email address or the investigators had an email address, they could go to Coinbase and they could say, show me anything with this email address. And Coinbase came back and said, here's a user ID. It's just this big giant number. And it says the name is Mason Shepard. And the email address is that masonshappy at gmail.com with a, the A in happy. Uh, it was created on August 13th, 2017. And, because and, we've seen this in Coinbase before, provided a photo of a driver's license in the name of Mason John Shepard from the United Kingdom with an address and date of birth for Mason. All right, so investigators start taking a look at, um, they basically do some, you know, financial forensic analysis, analysis on the uh, cryptocurrency. And they found that uh, Mason John Shepard is linked to other accounts just through the transfers um, and the email addresses then when they put their arms around everything that Mason was involved with is the Mason, ha Mason happy at Gmail account. And this other proton mail account called C H A E N G Y like Changi Changi at proton.com Binance, which is like a Coinbase competitor where um, Mason had accounts for these transfers also provided a photograph that was the same as Coinbase. So it's not even just accidental that Coinbase had somebody's, you know, accidentally had this guy's um, driver's license. There's two financial websites out there that he used that has, you know, both of those, both of them had the photographs of his driver's license and had all his um, personal information. So it looks like he's really tied to these accounts. Yeah. At some point, if you're a fraudster, and you're looking to get paid, you have to have an account in your name so you can actually access the funds that you've stolen. Um, so at some point, all rivers lead to the ocean, right? All financial roads lead to the person who actually cashed the check. So that whole idea of follow the money really, really matters. Yeah, definitely. And you'll see that in other cases coming along um, in this podcast series. It's like things will get done on the internet, but somewhere along the line, physical money has to land in someone's hand. And when right. that happens, that's where usually law enforcement is sitting and waiting. Um, so, hey, second plot twist. You ready? July 21st, 2020. And I alluded right. to this. So now we're about a week after all the con all the initial, um, you know, Twitter and uh, OG user um, conversations. Yeah, and I, I alluded to this a little earlier. This is when Juvenile 1... Uh, had a search warrant conducted in their house in Northern California. Right. And this is how we know a lot of this story up until now. This is why it was very difficult. I had to explain one thing to explain the other thing, but I haven't told you quite enough about July 21st yet. Well, finally, we're, we're to that day, July 21st. And this is when the search warrant happens. We know that Juvenile was communicating with Kirk and Shaywan and selling access to Twitter accounts. 
Law enforcement interviewed this juvenile. They admitted that they assisted Kirk and Shaywan. They said Shaywan lived in UK. They said they knew him by the name Mason. So all this stuff is lining up to all the other evidence that we just talked about. Juvenile One and Shaywan discussed turning themselves into law enforcement after the Twitter hack became publicly known. I just thought that was interesting. Like law enforcement saw it and or at least um, Juvenile One admitted to law enforcement that, you know, they basically, after they had access, went, oh my God, maybe we shouldn't have this much access and thought about turning the, themselves in. But end of day, they did not. So this person, this Juvenile One, is probably this LOL account that we talked about earlier. And that's probably why we don't know that much about them because it's a, ju a juvenile. You'll see in these cases that we talk about when a person is a juvenile, a, a lot of the records and information just doesn't exist in the court paperwork. Yeah, it's sealed, obviously, for their protection, yeah. sure. So there was uh, an analysis done by Krebs and Security on who LOL was and um, the... OG user database linked LOL to a Josh Perry in Danville, California. Right. So the investigation results, we know this just for bringing it back. Mason Shepard is also known as Shaywan. He's also known as Moths. He's also known as Anxious. He was charged, but he was charged in the UK. And as of these taping, it was un it is unclear if he will face any kind of court proceedings in the U.S. where he is charged. So what about this dude Rolex? You know, I'm a watch guy. Forgot about him, right? So there were chats on July 15th, 2020, which is the key date, where Rolex asked Kirk to, quote, prove his powers. Yeah, and I'm going to let you be Rolex. So I'll be Kirk again. So go well, ahead. You know, I'm a watch guy, so that makes sense. Go ahead. You be Rolex. Right, a lot this... of dialogue here. You ready? All right, go Yo. for it. Hey. That was page one, literally. All right, here we go. Now, my guy, Kirk, says, I work for Twitter. I can claim any app for you. Let me know. Don't tell anyone. Rolex says, laugh out loud. Prove it. Give me your Twitter at. I'll pull it up. Give me your Twitter at. So Rolex provides with ViennaCat921, all lowercase. Then Kirk says, yours? Rolex says, yes. Damn. So you can change info? So we're not sure what happened in between, assuming some kind of screenshot was shared or something along those lines to prove that Kirk can actually do the thing that he says he could do. Reading between the lines, I think what happened was Kirk changed something in Rolex's Twitter profile to that rolex nose was changed and when he came back he was just like damn because that information was changed meaning kirk had full access to his profile right so i'll start again damn so you can change info yes can update any info and i delete account data so no recovery or logs so rolex says how much for requests depends on at what at do you want right now Rolex replies, I could be interested in a few depending on the price. None of them would be super OG. I'm not sure what he means by that, though. He means the short, hard-to-get ones. I see. OG, okay. original gangster. Yeah, I, yeah. okay. Thank okay. you. <laughs> Rolex replies, uh, also follows, I could also proxy sell requests for you on forums, which is, by the way, a crime. <laughs> yeah. All right, so then Kirk says, okay, do that. Post a thread. And Rolex writes, ALR, as, as in short for all right. And now through some court documents, I know in the midst of this chat, I know Kirk provides the at foreign Twitter account. So that's actually the name. At, it's, the name is foreign, so it's at foreign Twitter account to Rolex for $500. And now we'll continue our chat. So then Kirk says, 500 for foreign, lowest I'll go for this. I'll update the email that you give me. Check the last login date. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, hold on. Kirk, yeah, so. Kirk says, 
that you give me and stops. So Rolex replies, check the last login date for it. And then Kirk says, one year ago. And Rolex says, can't even be swapped. Yes, LOL, bro. Just sounds too good to be true. Okay, give me your email. And Rolex's email is chancelittle10 at gmail.com. Which I think, um, if memory serves me, that's one that was hooked to one of his cryptocurrency accounts, too, that we talked about. So then Kirk says, reset through forgot. Rolex says, I'm in. Kirk then post that long random string that's obviously a bitcoin address and rolex writes what my kids say bruh (laughs) i didn't say i'd buy it laugh out loud just let me keep it and i'll open the service question mark and we can charge like 1k a wreck so in this i don't know if you caught it basically he never said he was gonna buy it and the guy gave it to him and then he's like i want money for it he's like i'm not paying you i never asked for it so he basically got got that account for free right, and then kurt yeah so kurt answers okay and then kurt says okay open it now then and rolex says all right and then says on ogu or hf so let's stop for a second here we are ogu is keith yeah that's um original gangster the og what? users the hf is escaping me offhand Okay. It's but another, it's another popular like, open chat source, right? Yeah, it's a, it's another um, popular forum like OG users from what I can recall. Okay. I just so can't Kirk remember says, what it stands for. So then Kirk says, and start hitting up your contacts, both. As in both on OGU and HF. And Rolex yeah. says, LGHT. I guess no, 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 short- no, no. He says, like, street. I. Yeah, thank you. I was getting there. I, 1K per rec, question mark? No. Which is weird. I don't know why he would say no to that. And then Rolex yeah. replies with active and inactive? Appraisal. I don't know what the heck. He's, does he have a stroke? Yeah, they're not having a meeting of the minds here. And then Kirk says, yes. And Rolex responds again with, I, I'm going to say 1K minimum. Cool? Yep. Whereas then Rolex provides a, a a specific website. It's an OGusers.com with a thread slash Twitter username request. So they're not really hiding what they're doing here. Yeah, this is and, public now. Right. That's now public. Rolex writes, I put 1K minimum. Let's say that's for non-OG. 2.5K minimum for OG? Question mark. 1K min for all is fine. Rolex responds very erudently. I actually know it's ALR. So all right. All right. So that was a lot of fun. I I don't know how much more chat we have. That was exhilarating. So let's go. Let's talk about the, uh, the investigation. So discord Rolex is also the same Rolex on OG users. So that's not a real big leap in the investigative sense. Um, you get some, email addresses and IP addresses, because what do law enforcement organizations now have the whole OG users database? They have right, all IP that addresses was hacked and sent back to the FBI, right? Yep. So now they have um, Rolex's email address. They have his IP addresses, which appears to resolve to Florida, which <laughs> we're back in Florida, Seth, Florida, man. I know. And then, um, there was an actual message on March 30th, 2020, where Rolex told another user, I am Rolex on Discord. So basically, there's no question that it's two different people. And then um, on his profile itself, <laughs> on OG users, it says, this is who I am on Discord. I'm Rolex. So we know now that this mysterious Rolex that we've been talking, we've been seeing talking on Discord now matches this OG users on or the Rolex on OG users and law enforcement can now match email addresses and IP addresses, which are just those numerical addresses that computers use to identify each other. They can now add that uh, to this account. 
So another thing that law enforcement did, which I thought was pretty interesting, they um, they took that email address and you can use email address to send PayPal transfers, PayPal money transfers to each other. So law enforcement found that this Rolex email, the chance little one that we talked about earlier, was used as um, sending PayPal payments on multiple occasions to other users on OG users in 2018. Right. But specifically, they found that the email address that corresponded with Rolex um, also provided our friend Kirk, uh, as in Kirk at 5270, not at uh, hash, in order to obtain access to the Twitter handle at foreign during the July 15th, 2020 hack of Twitter, bringing this case full circle. So who is Rolex? So investigators continue with blockchain analysis, and they saw a person, uh, it looks like the short name was NIM, as in N-I-M, with a last name starting with the letter F, as in Frank, a Coinbase account used in one of Rolex's online currency exchange services. Yeah, this is the, I love this email address, so I have to read it. Damniamevil20 at gmail.com. Right, That's which email matches address. right the registered email address for Rolex on the OG users forum that was hacked and turned into the FBI. Yep, and um, the account known the the account holder, which is the NIMF account, used a Florida driver's license with the number ending in like three hundred zero, and the name. And I am going to apologize if I pronounce this. If this is your name too, Nima. Would, is that how you would say it, Seth? I mean, N-I-M-A? I don't know how you can mis- mispronounce N-I-M-A, right? It's it's either Nima or Nima. I'm assuming yeah. it's Nima. And then the last name is Fazelli. Yep. Was used to verify the account. And um, investigators then went to their, you know, Department of Transportation databases and so forth and found that that driver's license was associated with uh, Nima Fazelli. And... Um, there were multiple times where that NIMF account that they first knew about started transacting with another Coinbase account that when they investigated that one came back with the name Nima Fazelli. So a second account comes back with their full name on there, which I thought was pretty interesting. And it's a, <laughs> registered to the email address nimafazelli20 at yahoo.com. And you can see like each time investigators get a little nugget of information you just use that as another little link in the investigative chain to pull something else up so you know they found one account and that account transferred to another account which also belonged to nema and now they have a new email address from that second account right and then moving forward there were a couple of more bitcoin addresses found both of them were nema fazelli addresses one uh, both at yahoo one had um, a period in there, uh, Nima, first name dot last name at Yahoo, and one was no period, just uh, first name, last name 20 at Yahoo. So the same driver's license was linked to a pair of additional Coinbase accounts. And the third account had about 1,900 transactions, totaling about 21 and a half Bitcoin, which as of July 30, 2020, was over $237,000. Yeah, an amazing amount of money. Yeah. So onto the like the e-crime part of this, right? Uh, so there was an IP address correlation, right? The same IP address accessing Coinbase accounts accessed Rolex on Discord. And we learned that that IP was registered in the Orlando, Florida area. Yeah, and I'll point out here, the Coinbase account, again, is a cryptocurrency account. So like we said, law enforcement, their best bet is going to be to go where the money reaches people's All hands. The money. And that's... That's where Coin Coinbase is. So the cast of characters is actually fairly narrowing now, right? So we know now that Rolex on that OG users—that's that um, chat that was uh, hacked and then so, you know sent to the FBI—is also Rolex on Discord. Is also the same person as Nima Fazelli. Person is charged and is currently awaiting trial. So I researched this case. Oh, geez, this must have been late 2022. And I researched a few of these cases out prior ahead of time. And this slide, I've been waiting, waiting to talk about this slide for months, Seth. 
So I'm going to talk about this. So you remember the individual called Kirk, right? We haven't identified who Kirk is yet. Now, we think it's juvenile because um, court records are sealed and we don't know much about him. But the news already went out and reported his name. It's already come, like, there's a ton of the news out there with his name on there. So we will tell you the name is Graham, Graham Clark. So the U.S. transferred his case at the state of Florida. I don't know if that's some kind of, because he's a juvenile or what it is, but the state of Florida was having a hearing on his case. And you remember in 2020, the pandemic's just started. This is August 5th, so we're not too far into the pandemic. People are still struggling with Zoom at this point, you know, just trying to use it. You know, they're, they have profile pictures of their kids still on their accounts when they log into work and stuff like that. You know, crazy things are happening on Zoom. Well, in this case, even something crazier happens on Zoom because they choose not to... So basically as a presenter, the court as a presenter on Zoom didn't make it so all the people listening, all the lay people that dial into this court hearing, they could just unmute themselves. And even worse, they could stream video. What the fuck? So what happened was... So hold on, let's pause here. So imagine <laughs> any of you that work in a big corporation, right? When like your CEO is giving like a general or super senior execs are giving like a broader presentation to the thousands of people who work at the company. Imagine there were no controls on who could say what in the middle of the presentation or if your dog starts barking in the background or if you're in the bathroom. Imagine that was none of that was muted. And imagine that you could actually... It's a two-way street. Start streaming video at the same time. The main <laughs> to presenters to everybody. So no. So of course you're shaking your head. That could never happen, right? Well, it <laughs> happened here. And well, Keith, you've been waiting. I'll let you explain. What yeah. So so basically, one of the people in the audience took a Pornhub clip and broadcasted it right in the middle of the Zoom bond <laughs> hearing. And I, for Seth's entertainment, I screen captured. Um, the prosecutor at the top left there, Seth, which has an expression kind of like I would imagine you would have if this happened in the middle of court, which is kind of bewildered, but want to look at it like, I don't know what this is. You know, kind of like, what is this? It's a look this of, stuff? it's a guy in a blue suit and a red tie. And it looks like he kind of, it's a combination of like, he just farted loudly in church. <laughs> yes, yes, it's a fart. But it's also like maybe looking at something on the floor that is highly offensive, like a rat on the floor. And you just can't believe that. That's the kind of way I would describe the look here. And the judge, the judge looks so pissed off. So, right, so pissed the next off. picture is a, you know, middle-aged dude, looks fairly academic. He's in a judge's robe and he's got glasses on and a very academic beard. And he's basically like giving the look that if you saw like one of your kids doing something that was really disappointing and was trying to not, to not verbally, but like just by looking at you, tell you how disappointed he was in you. That's the look he's giving. Yeah. And his lips are so pressed together. Like very he's pursed, so angry. Very pursed lips. And then the, um, the, the ju juvenile defendant, and I, this is in the news clip. I put a clip of him at the bottom, but the reason why I put it in here is I think he went purposefully into his mugshot saying, I'm going to try to look as evil as I can. Yeah, there's a little bit of a sociopath thing going on here. Uh, gentle, like almost like he's not quite smiling, but he clearly knows something that you don't know. And if they were trying to, you know, make this is like the opposite of what you'd want to go. Look, he's just a poor young juvenile who doesn't know any better. That is not the image here. This is a guy <laughs> who clearly commits crime and is happy about it. Yeah, he looks like he's ready to target you at any moment. Yeah. And yeah. so eventually um, this person uh, pleaded guilty. And agreed to serve three years in a juvenile facility, which is probably the best for everybody at that point. Um, but I wanted to point out that Graham Clark was in trouble before. And it wasn't just a little bit of trouble. So during that porn hearing, because I'm going to call it the porn hearing now. So during the porn hearing, it was discussed that Clark previously has stolen 164 Bitcoin via SIM swapping, which is all the technology we talked about in episodes up until now. And the United States Secret Service only recovered 100 Bitcoin, so there's still about 64 Bitcoin outstanding. So the government did not want Clark using the money he stole for his bond, but 
um, the judge actually just removed the requirement to prove where the money came from. So he may have, we don't know. Um, another little interesting tidbit, um, Clark stole from an individual named Greg Bennett, which was a tech investor in Seattle and 164 Bitcoin was about 856,000 then. So a lot of freaking money. You keep in mind, this is a kid. This is a kid under the age of 18 who pulled this off. Yeah. Um, and apparently in a previous life, this kid lived in a nice Tampa, Florida apartment and apparently drove a white BMW 3 Series. Um, as a watch guy, I'm offended by this. This is apparently an Instagram picture of a gem-encrusted Rolex he bought. And there's just no reason for that. Rolexes are lovely. You don't need to encrust them with gems. Um, <laughs> and uh, a couple of weeks between the Secret Service seizure um, there was a couple of weeks, rather, uh, between the U.S. Secret Service seizure of 100 Bitcoin and the Twitter hack. So there was very little time between right. the two is what we're saying here. So they were just starting to deal with his first issue when this whole Twitter hack came around for his second issue. So I thought this was interesting, too. So and this is part of the reason why I put his mugshot in there, Seth. The New York Times article also talked about that Clark scammed players of Minecraft. And if you don't have kids, it's kind of like uh, a very blocky looking role playing first person well, world -playing. building role playing game. Right. Yeah. That you play online with other people so right. kids could talk to other kids, build things, have relationships like, you know, friendship type relationships and talk and so forth. And then there's scammers like Clark out there that would try to scam players, you know, say, hey, I'll give you this profile if you give me such and such money, and then they'll give him the money and he wouldn't give him the profile or like some digital image or something like that he would build. Um, he also reportedly scammed people in the Twitter hack by saying, I'll give you this account. The person would pay for it. The person would then get the account, you know, the, the person that paid for it would then get the account and access it. And the clerk would go and regain control and take the account back. So, you know, like the the last little bit of just being the asshole there. Yeah, like right. Yeah. He, he wasn't from... even an ethical criminal. He was an unethical criminal. All right. So, and ba uh, that wraps up. That wraps up this crazy story. And we're to the point where we have our conclusion. I tried to put it at least five bullets in of just yeah, things that I personally these, right? Because these are all interesting. Yeah, I'll, um, I'll take the first one, Seth. You take the first one. So the first is it's a myth that Bitcoin is totally anonymous. So these different types of cryptocurrencies, most of them will run as some type of public registry that will say how many coin will transfer from one hand to the next. And there can be some analysis done when you know one side or the other side of a connection. So just remember, because you're using Bitcoin, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's anonymous. Um, you're going to see time and time again with these law enforcement cases, they go and do some type of analysis and do more linking like we saw with um, two or three accounts. In this right. Case. And most of these criminals, while sophisticated, are not so sophisticated that they can create an alternate identity for themselves that is so segregated from their personal self. So at some point they have to, you know, to a Coinbase or any place where you can actually cash in Bitcoin, um, you know, you have to have an identity associated with it. So you follow the money long enough and sharply enough, you will find out who the person is. Um, and the other neck, you know, bullet point we have here is that criminals will often have to use the real identification on accounts like Coinbase, right? So like I said, they're, they're sophisticated, but they're not that sophisticated. So that's an important uh, point. Yeah, a lot of these attacks aren't sophisticated themselves. And that leads to our next point, which is most times humans are the weakest link. So social engineering Twitter employees happened in this episode. We talked about we talked about social engineering and sim swapping attack. I don't remember if we actually said the word social engineering, but when they called in we and said, that. I'm so-and-so, but you're not really so-and-so, and they try to trick uh, uh, basically a new SIM being put on that uh, phone number, that's a social engineering attack. And that's what happened here. And it's not, they're not real complex. Um, a lot of times what happens is they have to gain some type of trust and they build some type of trust with you. And then once they build some type of trust with you, 
they will uh, exploit that trust in some means to get whatever it is that they want. In this case, it was access to Twitter because then they could use Twitter to bring in a bunch of cryptocurrency. Right. And then here, you know, that major initial twist was really important here, right? That OG user database, public forum, um, that was hacked and then ultimately turned into the FBI was a treasure trove. And, uh, you know, ultimately the law enforcement would have subpoenaed that OG user form and would have gotten the information anyway, but they were, had that, I guess, ex expedited extremely by having a gift dropped in their lap of having the contents of the database, uh, given to them. Yeah. And the last point that I wanted to make was we've seen at least up until this point, that a lot of e-crime perpetrators are young men, which is surprising, but not surprising. I mean, you, you think about what you see on movies and TVs when it comes to computer hacking and so forth. And it's always the, you know, male in the basement with a hoodie doing something. And so far our sampling of cases have been young men as the criminals, but I'll tell you at this point, gear up because we got some other theft rings coming up that are all female rings. And I thought, you know, I picked them out because they were, um, not your norm uh, type of, of theft rings. So if you get bored of listening uh, of, of the same uh, young men hacking people's uh, accounts and trying to pull um, cryptocurrency that way, we're going to be talking about completely different fraud with a uh, completely di different gender in a few episodes from now. All right. So last thing I want to do is tell you how you can reach out to us. So our website has everything you need to know to find us. And that's just eCrimeBytes, and I'll spell it for you. E-C-R-I-M-E-B-Y as in yellow, T-E-S dot com. All our social media, podcasting app, our email address, everything's linked on that site. Go ahead and uh, feel free to contact us. It was really great hearing uh, from one of our listeners this week, and I look forward to hearing from more listeners. And if you're one of those people where you're like, I want to do even more. Well, all that we asked for us is subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcasting app. That's all we really want. And if you want to go a step beyond that, leaving a review or a star review on whatever your podcast app is, uh, you know, if you like our podcast, a positive review that helps us out pushing us up in the list. So other people find out about this podcast. And with that, I had a lot of fun on this episode. How about you, Seth? Enjoyable. I, I need to work on my role-playing skills and uh, learn that I need tea with honey if I'm going to do Christian Bale Batman. But very interesting case. And uh, I, I love the idea that, you know, these complicated crimes are actually, when you untangle them, are not quite that complicated. Follow the money is a really important, consistent approach we're seeing through uh, all of our cases here. So uh, to echo Keith, this was fun. I love doing this. Please do send us your thoughts. If you would like a specific topic covered, we can work with you on that. And just, you know, we'd love to hear if people are enjoying this. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I do check them out. So if there's likes and things like that, I know which I know which episodes people like, and I know then which topics to pick that the most people like. So it's, it's all useful information. So with that, uh, we look forward to hopefully seeing you on episode five, which is going to be on Plugwalk Joe and a little bit of a continuation on this crime as well. So thanks and see you then.